Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Wheel-to-wheel racing is why we love Formula One. We love drivers pushing each other to the limit, fighting fairly to get ahead. Victories are recorded in the history books, but great racing is remembered by those who witnessed it and by those who lived it. I remember at the end of the straight line, I went inside the corner, he was outside, and I see his eyes very short. And I said, he don't give me one half second. <laughs> For me, it was my best race because he was my best friend too. Dijon 1979, a race for the ages. The red Ferrari of Gilles Villeneuve and the yellow Renault of René Arnoux. Welcome to F1 Beyond the Grid with me, Tom Clarkson, and one of our sport's great wheel-to-wheel warriors. During his decade in Formula One, René Arnoux drove for both Renault and Ferrari national racing teams where the pressure to win was intense. And he did win. He took five Grand Prix victories in the early 1980s, one of the sport's most competitive eras, fighting the likes of Alain Prost and Nicky Lauda. In qualifying especially, Arnoux was often untouchable. René's love for racing hasn't dimmed one bit. You can hear it in his voice when he recalls those flat-out qualifying laps. That legendary race with Gilles Villeneuve and his notorious battle with Renault teammate Alain Prost in 1982. There's a little regret, too, that his best chance of winning the Drivers' Championship slipped away, and he glows when recalling his magical meetings with Enzo Ferrari. Their exchange after Arnoux led Ferrari to the Constructors' title in 1983 is classic Enzo. I hope you enjoy our conversation. René, it's fantastic to have you on the show. Thank you for having me because, of course, we are at Lake Garda in Italy. Absolutely stunning setting. Thank you for coming. You coming in Garda Lake. I am very happy to, to see you in this beautiful place. I like in England, but I prefer here. <laughs> How long have you lived at Lake Garda? I spent 60% of my time in, uh, in this area. I find this area in 83 when I was uh, driving for Ferrari. For me, it was uh, amazing when I see this place. Now I live here and I, I'm coming back for a long time. How far are we from Maranello? Where you go fast in the 45 minutes. Okay. <laughs> and how long would it take me? <laughs> Half an hour more. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start our chat by talking about some of the defining moments in your Formula One career. And let's do it in almost chronological order. So Dijon 79, it is your first podium finish in Formula One. And I think people remember the last few laps, don't they? When you were battling Gilles Villeneuve yes, yes. for second place. Yeah. How do you remember that battle with Gilles? 
I remember that he was my best friend in Formula One at this time. I know Gilles uh, very easy. Uh, when I start in Formula One, Gilles, Gilles uh, we speak uh, all, all together and he said, René, you come to, uh, to eat uh, Italian food with me in Ferrari. And the next day, on, on uh, Saturday, uh, we uh, go, he, he go to uh, eat uh, French food in uh, Renault with me. Each Grand Prix was the same. And uh, I like the, the guys, he was very strong guys, very interesting, uh, very simple. For me, Gilles was not a racing driver, Formula One racing driver. He was acrobat. He was, he was always on this part and in this part, but he find the middle at the, uh, each time. He said to me uh, one time, René, if you have a steering wheel and the brake, it's possible to do something always. <laughs> and in, during this Grand Prix, I have a, uh, I start very low because we have a, it was possible to broken the, the the clutch at this time. And at the end of the of the Grand Prix, ten eight laps before the end, I, I, I am very fast and. Uh, I was behind behind Gilles, and we start the war at five laps before the end. It was dangerous, but I think with Gilles, uh, it was um, less dangerous because he, he know me very well, and I know him, him very well. And uh, we start with this war, and uh, I try to finish second, and he, he tried to finish second. I finished third. <laughs> anyway. For me, it was my best race because it was my best, uh, best friend, too. I remember Gilles, uh, the person, the guys. And uh, I remember at the end of the straight line, I went inside the corner, it was outside, and I, 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 I moved my, my eyes, and I see his eyes bah, very short. And I said, he don't give me one half second. <laughs> And he said, he says the same. Is there any other driver on the grid that you could have had that battle with? No, only for between Gilles and me, and me was possible. Because you trusted him? Because I know very well him, he know very well me. I know he don't make a, a, a bad things. And he, was, he, he knows the same about me. I said always, if he, he was... Uh, Another driver, maybe I finish second, not third. <laughs> it was a wonderful battle. And what did you say to each other after the race? Can you remember? After the race, a lot of people were directly on the podium. A lot of people is, uh, said, oh, now it's a pushing ball. It's dangerous area on the podium between Gilles and me. But uh, Jabou was in the middle. I take his end and we have a very big smile all together. The best thing it was after the after this race after the podium everybody in a, go in a press conference and I, I find a place I city I am sitting but I am tired my car was very difficult to drive and uh, I see the five laps before the end and I I am very impressed about <laughs> about the Grand Prix at this when I was sitting not during the race. And I remember it was uh, uh, Mauro Forgeri was uh, uh, near me, and at the end of the the race, 
he puts uh, two uh, hand in the sky and he said, these two guys is completely crazy. It's not for the first and the second place, it's for the second and third place. And we finished like that. I, I felt a bit sorry for Jabouille because, of course, he'd won Renault's first race in exactly. Formula 1, yet the only thing people were talking about afterwards was your battle with Jabouille. Yeah, for three or four months, he was not happy about that. And uh, he speak with me, but uh, not really... Uh, not really happy, and um, it's not my fault. But you remember, you have at this time the, the newspaper L'Equipe. On the first page, we have Jabouille on the podium, only Jabouille. And the page opposite, it was a puzzle of different photos of the war. And at this time, everybody see the last page, not the first page. <laughs> it was a, just it was lots of nice. pictures of your battle with Gilles. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was fantastic. Yeah. And, yeah. and what a way for you to get your first podium in Formula One. Yeah, yeah I finished third, but I remember only the, this war, these five laps before the end. I tell you before, the best friend I have in my career. And, uh, you know, it's uh, more than 40, 40 years. And I was in Goodwood uh, two weeks before. A lot of people. I drive in Goodwood, the, the Renault. When I have, a, I make the war with Bill Love and me. The uh, Renault Historic rebuilt completely the car. It's very nice. And a lot of people stop in the front of this car and they said, "Renault, this car, it's a '79 car." I said, yes, it's '79. Uh, it's the best race in Formula One. In Italy, it's the same. I drive for Ferrari, but a lot of people remember that uh, this uh, very strong uh, war between him and, and, and me. I remember I was in Paris, but uh, 10 years ago, in uh, Champs-Élysées, with, uh, you have a Renault uh, store. We have a lot of people to see the Grand Prix at this moment. And when I'm coming back uh, to take my car, I go upstairs and I, I go to take my car. A, a guy stopped me and says, René, you make the best uh, race in Formula One. And I said, ah, yes? What race? 79 with Gilles and you. Well, that, ah, yeah. you. You want to see? I am on my phone. Well, that, no, I know. So I, remember, I remember the race. And I said to the guy, how old are you? 22. It's a long time. Yeah, of course, yeah. he wasn't even alive. I mean, it's, it when you make a, a nice race, a lot of people yeah. remember the race. Of course they do. So that was the first moment I wanted to talk about. Second one, you were always brilliant in qualifying. 18 pole positions to your name. Yeah. And I want to ask you about Austria 1980. The Osterreichering, that fearsome, very fast track known as the Red Bull Ring today. But you were 1.2 seconds faster than anyone else that day. Can you remember yeah. the lap? Yeah, I remember. Really, I remember. It was like yesterday for me. Because, you know, when you car... First, I liked the fast track. And it was very fast, Zellweg, at this time. Now it changed a lot. Every track, when you go too fast, you make one, two, three chicken. And uh, uh, I want to tell you one thing very important. When I, I make these very fast laps, we don't have a radio at this time, etc. But when I, I make one laps very slowly, I coming back to the, to the box, 
I was in my head sure that I make a pole position because the, light, the lapse was perfect. You know, when you, you have the car very, very strong tires, you are in a very good form, and you don't make one mistake in a big bend because the medium speed was very high at this time. And uh, uh, I, I coming back with my car very slowly uh, because with the turbo it was necessary. But I, I said in my head, I am in pole position. I, wa I was sure about that. Because it was the perfect lap. Yeah, perfect. Perfect the car, perfect the mechanics, perfect me, perfect everything. Yeah. The problem at this time with the Renault, Renault was very strong in qualify. Uh, it was not very strong, the engine, during the race. We broken a lot of engine. So you had to turn it down quite a lot for yeah. the race, did yeah. you? Yeah. And this, this was a pity because uh, I think with Renault, I lose uh, maybe one or two world championship because uh, the car was very strong, competitive, but not during the, the race. Remember when, when Rosberg won the, the championship in uh, 82, I think? I was a leader in Dijon. And he was second, but I have uh, 20 seconds uh, more. And I broke my engine uh, eight laps before the end. And uh, Rosberg wins the Grand Prix, and he wins he win only one race for the championship. If, if I win the race, he wins the championship because he's always on the podium. Why were you so good over one lap? What were you able to extract from yourself and from the car that most other drivers couldn't. To do one lap, very, you have a, a special tires for this. And, uh, yeah, but everybody had the tires. Yeah, exactly. Everybody was the doing? same condition. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, uh, I, um, the, this exercise was for me very interesting to make one lap and to ask to your car everything and to ask to you yourself everything. And you know that you don't have two laps because after one lap, the tires are destroyed. And for me, this, this type of experience was really so interesting because you must to give in uh, less than two minutes the maximum. And uh, I like this performance. Were you an instinct driver or would you spend a lot of time planning the lap in your head before you did it? No. I said always, if you uh, imagine 100 start, for the Grand Prix is impossible because you have at the start the, the 101 is impossible to, to know that. But I am very concentrated, this is sure. Uh, and uh, when, when you like to ask to use maximum for one lapse, for me, when I go in my car and my sitting in my car, I think I change the face and uh, I am. Uh, the motivation I want to, to, to make the, the best the, the pole position. And for me, it was a very exciting moment. You had this feel for grip, though, didn't you? You, you know, you had a slow out lap on the qualifying tires and then bam, you could find the grip immediately at the yeah, start. Of for me, lap. it was easy because, uh, you know, you make one lap very, very slowly to don't destroy your, your tires. And after you give every, every 100%. And uh, for me, it was very easy to have this type of concentration. 
and uh, some some people must to have one or two or three laps. For me, it's uh, suddenly you must to go suddenly. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. French Grand Prix 82. Alain Prost is your teammate at this point. Is it fair to say that 81 had been a hard season for you at Renault? And then in 82, you come back stronger? Is that, is that fair? I am not stronger. I am uh, the same. The victory depends also a lot of with your team. Uh, if you have a good car or not a good car. At this time, Renault was very strong, but reability was not strong. And we lose the championship for maybe for two years. But uh, the race was like that in my uh, f- first time. You have only uh, 16 races. It's very short. Uh, the point very, very low. And, uh, you know, when you have a possibility to win, you must to win. When you don't have a possibility to win, you must to finish second or third, or to finish to take the point for the championship. Well, Rene, we, I just need to explain what it was like going into the French Grand Prix in 82. You were on pole position, another brilliant pole from you. There was a belief on the Renault pit wall that you and Prost had an agreement ah, before yeah. the race. First thing, very important. My contract and the pros contract is one and one, not one and second driver. Renault doesn't ask me nothing because I have three years before, very nice. The second thing we are is near my birthday, the Grand Prix. I am born the 4th July. And my car was perfect. The difference between Prost and me on the world championship was very low, not very high. And we are in the middle of the season, not at the end. We, we start the Grand Prix, and after uh, Saturday, we have three times or four times, I don't remember, a meeting with Larousse, Prost, and me. And Prost said, if uh, you are leader of the race, and I am second, you, you give me your, the first place. Why? Why did Alain want that? Because he said I have some point more in a world championship. And when he asked me this three or four times, I don't remember, I was smiling. No answer. The last test, Prost asked this between Larousse, Prost and me, not the, the manager of Renault, because Prost said the manager of Renault was there, not there. When he asked me, after five minutes, I take my hand and I said, yes, yes. But I was smiling. Were you joking? Yeah. Yeah, completely joking. What did LaRousse say? LaRousse said nothing. He doesn't ask nothing between me. He was prost to ask the meeting, always. 
And we start. My car was very fast, very good. It was very, you know, when you win the Grand Prix, it's strange, but it's very easy to drive because everything is very good, perfect. And you go. 10 laps before the end, I was always afraid because I listened my noise, my engine, and everything, but everything was in a good condition. And I win the Grand Prix. That's all. After the Grand Prix, Bernard Anon was the president of Renault and of uh, Renault Formula One, and Gérard Larousse and me was so happy. And I started with Bernard Anon to Paris with a private jet because you have a, a airport near the track. You arrive to um, Paris, you, you go directly with a saloon car in Renault in the Champs Elysees. We, we make a big, big uh, night, very big night, because this day, uh, Bernardino, you know Bernardino, uh, he wins uh, the Tour de France, and he was there also, and was, we finished the party at seven o'clock during the day, <laughs> in the morning. <laughs> Every, everybody was, uh, of Renault was uh, very happy. Bernardino, uh, Larousse, all the mechanics, compris the mechanics of Prost, was uh, very happy also. But Alain was not there. If he make a mistake, it's not my fault. Did you and Alain ever talk about this afterwards? With Alain? It's impossible to speak with him. <laughs> no. I have nothing to, to, to explain. I am the same contract. We are in the middle of the championship. And why I must give my place? If you want to arrive at this level before, you must win. At the last race, it's impossible for me to win the world championship. But it's possible that, for example, Post has the possibility. I help the other driver because I work for a big constructor. But if I have possibility to win, I try to win, especially the World Championship. So why was such a big fuss made after that French Grand Prix in 82? I look back through the footage, I've looked at some of the, the magazine articles, and it's this big fight between you and Prost about team orders, but it seems to me yeah. there were no team orders from For what me, you're saying. For me, it doesn't change nothing. For the next Grand Prix, I go, I, I said hello, hello to each mechanic. Gérard Larousse was really happy at this time. And uh, when I, I, I uh, to leave to Renault, I cry because it was a very nice team. Four years, really interesting. I developed the turbocharge. The mechanics was very good, very strong. Uh, Michelin was a very, very uh, nice uh, performance with the tires. It's difficult to, to, to change the team when you have, a, at the start, a very good team. But you know, when you have a possibility to drive Ferrari, everybody wants to try to, to drive with Ferrari in, in this uh, career. Could you have stayed at Renault for 83? Did they want you for 83? I have a possibility to stay with Renault. But, uh, you know, when I go to speak with Enzo, I want to drive with Ferrari. And uh, it's for that I, give, uh, I said, uh, Mr. Ferrari, it's possible to, to tell to Larousse uh, I, uh, next year I am not with Renault. 
but it was very difficult for me. You have a very strong team, you go in an, another very strong team. But the second one, uh, is, it's a very strong name too. A very historic name in Ferrari. Yeah, but it, well, historic <laughs> Rene, name. one yeah. last question about Renault and Prost. How did Alain's arrival at Renault change things? Because it seemed to me with Jabouille, you were the faster driver and it was... You were the uh, yeah. dominant personality. Then Prost comes in. How different was it for you when he was there? You know, when I was with Jabouy and uh, with Prost, uh, my strategy to drive and to, uh, to make a private test, it was exactly the same. I developed the car. I developed the tires. And uh, sometimes in Formula 1, it's very difficult to, to find the good way because the way is very narrow. Uh, Sometimes uh, you, you test some uh, suspension, uh, aerodynamic, and uh, at the end of the day, you have a, a briefing. But sometimes you don't speak about what happened during this day, because the next driver, in part of you, tests the same way, exactly, Monday one, Tuesday, another. And only after the third day, you speak all together. Because it's very narrow to find a, a, a good solution. Because if you start in a bad way, a bad way, you lose the time. You don't ask one second, it's more. Two, one, two cents is very important in Formula One. And this is really, really important to do that. And... Uh, for me to work with Jabou and with Prost was uh, the same. I have a big character, but I accept the other driver as the same character of me. Because if you don't have a big character, you don't drive in Formula One. Are you and Alain friends now? Can you, 40 years later, laugh about it? Yes, when I see him, I said hello, and <laughs> hello again. <laughs> After You know, I accept really... Uh, uh, a, a big driver in part of me, I think he, he doesn't accept. I respect uh, everybody. But for me, it's also important that Alain develops the car in the same way like me. This is really important. There's another qualifying performance I wanted to ask you about. And actually, it's your last pole in Formula One. Silverstone 83. You were seven tenths faster than anyone else that day. First of all, how much had the turbo engines improved by 83? What was it like? How much power did you have? I was actually at Silverstone that day. And I remember as you came out of the pits, when you had the boost turn right up, yeah. there's a little trail of black smoke coming out of the back of the car. And I knew you were about to let rip. And you did. Yeah, it's, uh, it's always uh, this. I was in, uh, driving for Ferrari at this time. And it's all, it's always, I, uh, Silverstone, I like Silverstone, the whole track. It was very fast too. I like, uh, I said before, a very fast track is really interesting because, you know, Monte Carlo, it's a different condition to drive. But in, with Silverstone, Zellweg, Spa, you play with your car, 
you play with the brake, you play with the with, uh, steering wheel, you play with the accelerator at the exit, exit of the, each corner, each, each big bend. This is very interesting. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, it was the same at this time in, uh, with Ferrari. Before to coming back, I know that I am in the pole position. I make also a pole position in, uh, with a Ferrari in 83 in uh, Detroit. I was very, very fast, but I, I, I lose the race because I have a problem with electronic, uh, the small part electronic at mid-time, but, but it's, it was dead. But uh, it's, it's always, uh, it's completely different to make one lapse very fast and, to, and the race is another thing. But th this experience, you have, in my time, you have Friday and Saturday, two, two hours qualified, and the best time, it's the starting grid. And uh, I was always, Friday and Saturday, very exciting about that, to, to try to make a pole position with different cars. Did you find qualifying more exciting than the race in many ways? It's completely different. Maybe I prefer to make one lapse very fast. But you know, you must do to, to start with the World Championship at the, each, uh, when you start the, uh, the Grand Prix. And uh, the race is uh, it's a hand of when you develop the car, you make a pole position. If you make a pole position, it's, it's, a, it's a good start because you have a good car, you have a good performance, good tires, you are in a good form, and it's possible to win the race. The problem at, in my time, it was uh, when you are uh, leader of the race, 10 laps before the end, you are very afraid and you listen the noise and everything. If the car is perfect, if the car is good, in good condition, if you, if you finish the race. I, I tell you one thing really very nice. In 82, I drive for um, Renault in Monza. I make a pole position. Uh, the car was really fantastic. I start and I go. After 20 laps, I have the fire in my overall. And I said, what happened? And then I don't find the solution, why? And after five laps, I said, I have fuel in my overall. But at this time, I am not afraid about the fire, possibility of the fire. I am afraid, and I said in my head, oh, maybe in this case, I lose some fuel and I don't finish the race. Anyway, it was more and more and more. And I said, impossible to see the flag. And my car was perfect. It was so perfect, and I finished the race, and I win the race, and I my car was stopping at the at the last the last lap when I coming back to the pits. <laughs> Perfectly judged race. Had you already signed a contract with Ferrari for '83 when you won that no. race? When I drive, when I win in Monza, the two uh, Ferrari with Stambe was second, and third with Andretti. When I coming back to Paris with Gérard Larousse, manager of Renault, I was in a fl to fly with him and he gave me a newspaper Italian. He was writing free racing driver, free Ferrari racing driver on a podium because I signed in June 
of uh, 82 with Ferrari. You signed in June, very early. No, no, I don't sign. I have a meeting with Ferrari. I take in Zen, take my Zen, it's, it, we, we start together in 83. And I signed two months after. But it was so exciting to have a, 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 this, because, why? Because after the Saturday practice, official practice, I am in Paul, and uh, Ferrari uh, said always the new driver for the next time. And uh, everybody knows that in 83 I was with Ferrari. <laughs> and the newspaper, free Ferrari racing driver on the podium. <laughs> so, so LaRousse already knew that you were going to Ferrari before he saw L'Equipe? Yeah. Yeah, he knew yeah, already. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't the first he everybody heard. Everybody was, no, because after, uh, after the official practice, everybody knows that I start with Ferrari in 83. Because uh, the commandator Enzo said uh, always uh, the new driver of, of, of the Scuderia after s a Saturday official practice. But it was so nice. <laughs> <laughs> I have a, a really a good, um, good feeling with LaRousse, with everybody. And uh, because when I start to drive for Ferrari in 83, uh, Enzo said to me, Rene, nobody knows that. Yeah, you are in 83 with Ferrari, and uh, uh, we speak about that after Monza, after, after the official practice. And I said uh, to Enzo, uh, yes, of course, but for me it's impossible to don't speak with Gerard Larousse to find another driver when I, I go. And he said, okay, it's a good question, René. Gerard Larousse, it's possible that you give this, this information. Can we talk some more about your negotiating with Enzo Ferrari? So you go there in June 82. What happens when you arrive in Maranello? You know, uh, Marco Piccinini called me and he said, uh, Mr. Enzo Ferrari want to speak with you. If you have a, a call about uh, Mr. Ferrari is not for, to see the new car, <laughs> when, especially when you, are, you drive for Renault. And um, I don't know where I am, but it was possible I, I make a running to Maranello directly. And uh, we give me a, an appointment. And uh, I was so exciting to go to Ferrari. Could you speak Italian at the time? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So and you we, could deal we, with we, him directly? We speak uh, during the meet, meet uh, uh, in Italian completely. You know, I, I am very, uh, not afraid, but, uh, you know, you are, for me, the best man in the world. He, 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 he built a very sport car, Formula One, Le Mans, everything is running, Ferrari is running in each part of the world. And uh, he, 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 Enzo sees that I am not afraid, but uh, like uh, uh, for Christmas, <laughs> and he said, René, Ferrari, it's a big house, but it's very uh, narrow be between the, the people. I was much better after, after that. And we, we, we speak about a, a lot of things, not Formula One. And at, at the middle of the meet, he said, René, you are here also for, to speak about the future, <laughs> what is possible to do, to, to do together. And now, at this time, we start everything. 
he, he explained to me the future of Ferrari to develop the car for 83. He asked for me what happened with Renault because I am uh, I make an engineering school and you want to know Renault the what development secrets you could Secret, take. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was really interesting to to, to do that. And um, after we we speak about the contract, did you tell him in that first meeting how much money you wanted? Yeah, yeah. When you're talking about money. Does he just go, yes, that's fine? Or is it a case, is it a negotiation? Did you go in high expecting Hello, him uh, to Ferrari, agree? Uh, yeah, Enzo do, doesn't want to pay more the driver. <laughs> but uh, I asked my condition uh, and I, I ask also uh, for my uh, uh, um, travel and everything. And after, at the end of the me uh, this meeting and meet, we uh, bow up, I take his hand, his hand, that's all. No signature this day. And he said, now you go to your manager or to your lawyer, you sign the contract in one month or one month and a half. But for me to start in this condition is the best. Now you have a contract like that. If, you, if, if the team is not happy, you find always a solution to go back. And everything that you agreed over a handshake in that first meeting was what was in the contract? Ah, Early. yes, yeah. yes, yes. And the, uh, during this uh, meeting, I don't want to have a manager with me, a lawyer with me, because he was... Uh, Amazing to speak with uh, him, and uh, I, I was to stay only between Enzo and me, this first contact. That's all. I can see it's a very special memory for you. Yeah. For me, it was, it, it was one of the best moments in my life, to take in Zen and to say, I stay with Ferrari in 83, 5 and 3. Incredible. And then you had a good lunch. Yeah, fantastic <laughs> lunch. When I was driving, uh, at the, uh, at the, uh, in my time, it was, you have a possibility to drive as you want, uh, private uh, test. And in Fiorano, you, 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 you make a lot of laps each week. And when I was driving, it was, I, I take one house very near Ferrari because I was living in, in England at this time, but the travel was too, too, uh, too high. And I, I stay with in this area uh, some time. And when I was running at 11 o'clock in the morning, Dino, he was a chauffeur of Mr. Ferrari, go to see me and said, René, Mr. Ferrari has a pleasure if you, are in, uh, if you have a possibility to, to eat with him, to have a lunch with him. And I said, the pleasure is not for Enzo, it's for me. I am in a, in a, <laughs> in a lunch. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. René, when you joined Ferrari in 83, did you feel that you were 
replacing your friend Gilles in the team? No, because uh, when I was my appointment with uh, uh, with Enzo, I don't know which driver I drive in '83 with Ferrari. Gilles is dead in front of me in uh, Zolder. I was uh, 20 meters less. I stopped my car and I go to see he was dead. You know, when I go to Ferrari, I go really uh, to sign with Ferrari. And I don't know if it's, uh, if, if it was, was Gilles for me, it was good. But uh, if it was Gilles or, or Pironi or another guy, for me, it was the same. The best thing it was to drive for him. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I put my ass the first time on my, I sitting on, I see the, the horse in the middle of the steering wheel. And I, I said to the horse, we are all together now. <laughs> Your helmet, such a simple white helmet. Exactly. There were so many extravagant helmet designs exactly. in your time. Why the white helmet? I, I, I decide this because if you see the driver now in Formula One, nobody said with the helmet is a Norris, it's, a, it's impossible. And uh, I said, I met uh, one color with two uh, lines, light with my name, that's all. And you know, uh, Senna, yellow, Lauda, red. One, one helmet very nice for me was a Grammy helmet, and the son takes this, the same helmet. Yeah, Damon has it as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. This is nice because you said, uh, not, it's, uh, it's not uh, the Brabham, the Renault, it's, uh, it's a Grammil, it's, uh, it's a Lauda, it's a Rosberg. At this time, it was more simple, except some, some people. And I don't want to have an helmet too much complicated. René, you went from racing for the French national team to the Italian national team. Were there many similarities between the, the way Renault and Ferrari went racing? It's completely different. When I race, in, uh, I win the first Grand Prix or another Grand Prix with Renault, the people on a, on a, in Paris uh, said, uh, René, it's fantastic race. Uh, uh, you win the race, uh, congratulations. When you win the first race with Ferrari, it's another place. And how famous were you in Italy when you were a Ferrari driver? When I drive for Ferrari, it's for your life. A lot of people know me. Uh, it's no Ferrari. When you are Ferrari, it's, uh, everybody said you, you, you drive for Ferrari, it's for three, four, five. Five is the middle. And... Uh, uh, it's for the life. And uh, I remember one thing when I was in Adelaide in uh, Australia. I arrived to the airport in Adelaide. I have my bag. I, I exit to take a taxi. One guy arrived. Oh, René, I am very happy you, you go to the first Grand Prix in Adelaide. I give you my, my card and uh, I have a, a pizzeria. You go with all your mechanic to eat in my pizzeria. Hello, I said to the mechanic, you want to go to the eat, to eat with the... Oh, yes, yes, we go all together. It was a very, very big area, 
as a guy, it was uh, really exciting to pay for everybody uh, this, uh, this lunch. You stayed in contention for the world title in 83, right down to the end of the season. Nearly won the world championship. How disappointed were you that it didn't happen? I was, I was really disappointed in Detroit. I was, I make a poll Friday, Saturday. My car was perfect. I make a very, a very uh, good qualifies. The difference was me and the second one is very high. And uh, I was a leader of the race. And ten, eight laps before the end, my car stopped. At this race, I have lost the world championship. And I said to me, it's a really a pity to doesn't win very easy in this Detroit, because for my world championship, if I win this race, it was difficult for the other guys to win the world championship. I know when you go in Calami uh, at the last races, my car and the Renault also was not so competitive compared to the Brabham of Piquet. Prost has a big problem with the engine. I have the same problem with the engine. I PK wins the World Championship. But I don't lose the champion, World Championship in this case. I lose in, in uh, Detroit. Was Enzo Ferrari disappointed that you'd lost the Drivers' Championship? Because the team won the Constructors' Championship that yep. year. And everyone says to me, for Ferrari, that's the only thing that matters. I remember one thing with Enzo. Enzo said to me, René, you bring to me the world championship of the constructor. And for the world championship with the driver, it's your problem. <laughs> it was so nice because I don't like, uh, at this time, we have a lot of private tests with the two people who are driving the car. And if you have a, a not a very strong driver, if you run in, uh, on, a, on a, some track, old track, one second or one second uh, uh, and a half less, you don't find a problem. You don't find a problem with the gearbox, engine, brake, suspension, and you must have two very strong guys. On a starting grid, at this time we have 26 cars, and we have 25 in enemy rivals mm. 25 that's all but everybody must to know that especially when you have a contract not first and second driver you start and you try to win you know in my uh, passion when you start in go-kart you must to win because if you don't want to win you stay home when you start in formula renault European Championship, I win in 73. You must win. If you don't win, you go home. When you go in Formula 2, you must win. Each time, if you win, you have a possibility to go upstairs. Let's talk about 85, if we can. You did the first race for Ferrari. You finished fourth. From the outside, it looks like everything's going okay. And then suddenly it stops. Yeah. Why? I, I don't give you the answer. <laughs> Everybody asks. I have some uh, journalist Italian. He asks the same question two months before. But I tell you one, only one thing. I stay in a very good, uh, fantastic position with Enzo. From Throughout? 
no mistake with between him and and, and me. Okay. It was uh, always the same after. When I was starting in '83, I win the first Grand Prix in Canada. And before I have a pole position, I make a good race. I broken the suspension, no uh, gearbox, engine, etc. And I, in Italy, I was dead. When I come back to Canada, I was uh, the best, the yeah. top <laughs> day of in the world. <laughs> so you stop with Ferrari after one race, but you do come to Imola that year, and you were seen in the Brabham pits. Did you nearly race for Bernie? Yeah, but you know, after, after my uh, break with Ferrari, strong break, <laughs> I decide completely myself to stop for 85. I have no problem to go to drive with another team because Ferrari said to me, if you want to drive during the season 85, you have a possibility. But I said, no, I stop it completely. Some people call me. And he said, ah, you, you go to drive for me. So I said, no, if you want to, uh, for next year, 86, you call me at the September of 85. And I decide to stop completely, to stay outside of the Formula One for my batteries, personal batteries. Well, is, that, is that it? You were exhausted? When you have a, a, a big uh, burn on your head. Bang on your head. Yeah. With Ferrari in 85. I, I was not disappointed when I stopped with Ferrari. Did you miss racing in 85? No, because I decided to, to make this break. And Ligier called me also. Mm. René, I have two bad drivers. Is this problem? You must drive for me. I said, no, no, if you want, you call me. August or uh, September, not now. Oh, so Ligier called you to drive in 85? Yes. Ah, yes. And you said no? After two, two races after the, by my break. No, no, I stopped no, stop completely. And at the time, were you thinking you may never race in Formula One again? Or did you always think just one year? No, I said if you have a possibility to drive in 86, I drive. Okay. And I was really happy in 86 with Ligier because the car, we have a Renault engine. It was very strong. Well, look, 86 with Ligier, you said you were happy. Yeah. Tell me a story about the start of 87 and Alfa Romeo. The team was planning the switch from Renault to Alfa. Mm. And I've been told that René Arnoux gets in the car and says, that engine is no good. Is that true? Yeah. Alors, the problem at this time it was Ferrari and Alfa Romeo. He was in an area of Ferrari, Fiat, Alfa Romeo, and Ferrari. And Mr. Guidella, he was the president of Ferrari and president of Ferrari Formula One. And he doesn't like to have two teams in the same group. When I remember exactly, when I was in Imola to run with everybody, private test, before you go to uh, Balocco on a private track between Milan and Torino. And on this private test, I make none one kilometers, 600 meters, 800 meters, that's all. And the engine is broken suddenly. And the guy in Alfa Romeo with 20 people you don't have a possibility to make a very strong engine 
about the performance and availability, it was impossible. When I was in Imola, the same. It was impossible to make one lapse. And at this time, I think it's the Rai, La, La Rai, uh, Italian TV, making an uh, interview. And we said, what, uh, what happened, Rone? In this case, because uh, it's impossible to make one lapse. It's impossible to, to have uh, information about the chassis, about the suspension, and because you, you don't have a possibility to run. But I don't tell bad things about that. Mr. Guidella, when he, he listened this uh, interview, asked to the TV to cut a lot of things, not really completely. And at this time, it was really not really bad, but bad. And Guidella said, I broken the contract because Ligier and Alfa Romeo. And after we go with uh, BMW with Madère. So it was that interview with Rai that caused the problem. Yeah, yeah. But Ligier don't, doesn't say nothing to me. Guy was fine with switching yeah, engines. Yeah, not not fine. But uh, he, he, Guy Ligier sees uh, that it was impossible to make uh, one lapse. You arrive at the first race, you make maybe two laps. For me, if you do that, the season it was completely a disaster. You've worked with some big characters in Formula One. I'm thinking Gerard LaRousse, Enzo Ferrari, of course. Guy Ligier, what uh, was he like? He's the biggest. <laughs> 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 you know, it's the it's first thing Guy uh, loves the sport car, Formula One, and he, he makes a sport car in Le Mans and uh, dif different things. And uh, this is sure he, he loves the sport car. It was his passion, it was his life. When he, when he opened his eyes in the morning, it's for the sport car. And uh, the situation between Guy and, Guy and me was very nice because he, he, he have no, uh, he's not in the middle. He loves you when he doesn't love you. It's, it's like that. The character of Guy is... Uh, it's a shit, but if you are in the good part, it's very good. <laughs> and you're on the good part. <laughs> yes, exactly. With uh, Alfa Romeo, when he decided to, to stop, he, don't, he doesn't said one thing about that to me. Never. Never. Because I think he, he, have, he, he see himself the problem. And maybe it was better to change the system before to start. After one race, for him, for the team, it was a disaster too. How different was Ligier to Renault? Because, of course, a lot of the money was coming from the government, wasn't it? In the same way that Renault was? Alors, Ligier was uh, always uh, to find more money, <laughs> not to pay me. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, at this time, he was a good friend of Mitterrand, Charas, a lot of political system. And he found a very good, very good sponsor. He, he was, Ligier not was... Uh, the best sponsoring in the Formula One, but after McLaren, Ferrari, and Williams, it was very, very strong. Uh, but, uh, you know, it depends after a few engineers, we designed the car, and uh, it's very difficult to make a competitive Formula One. Because 86 was good, I spent a good time. Uh, sometimes it was like that, sometimes it was low, up and down. 
And uh, after in 87, uh, 89, uh, it was uh, very bad because you have the problem with the turbo. We find uh, 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 the Judd and the Cosworth, but it was a really bad engine at this time, not competitive. In 89, uh, in the middle of the season, I said uh, in my head, I, uh, I put one uh, nail in my wall, one for my helmet, one for my overall, and I stopped it. And I said to Ligier at the end of the June or, or Lulio, um, Guy, at the end of this year, I stop. And he said, no. He said, like, no, one year before. And you are more with me. I said, Guy, at the end, I give you the maximum at the end of this year. But at the end of this year, you must to find another driver to take my seat because I stop completely. When were you happiest in Formula One? I am really happy about my career, but uh, it's not my first victory. Uh, to, I work with uh, the people, mechanic, engineer, have the same passion like me. Renault, it was incredible because to develop the turbocharge, it was amazing at the start. Everybody in England said, no way. And after everybody cried to have this type of engine. With Ferrari, it was fantastic because I spent during my career in each free uh, team I drive a lot of time in, in the factory. I make a, a technical school and I make an engineering uh, engine. And I was really exciting uh, to see the, the construction of the car completely, especially the Formula One of each species is really built to go fast. To drive after, uh, when everything is controlled, you try to have a perfect car, but it's not really perfect every time. But to, to work all together, it's really a very, very nice moment for me. When do you think you were at your peak? Now? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um, maybe in uh, Dallas, when I finished second. Because I was really, really aggressive. I doesn't start. I was in pole position, and I know if I I, I lose this place, I, I I start the last. I make each laps like a qualified during the race, and I finish second. I was disappointed because maybe like I said before maybe two or four, four laps before and I win the race. But I am so happy to finish in second in, in this condition when I start. Yep, you start at the back, your yeah. last podium in Formula yeah. One. So if that is your best race, what was your greatest quality as a driver? I think to drive in, uh, in Formula One, you must have passion first, motivation, aggressivity, but not bad, good aggressivity. And uh, I don't like Monte Carlo, but I, I like also. But Monte Carlo is one time during the years because it's another drive. In Monte Carlo, you must to tell to your car, you must to go here. 
In Spa, you play with your car. It's completely different. In Monte Carlo, you must to brake to turn in to have less understeer and to control with the accelerator. And you place to play for 78 laps. But I don't want to race five uh, races like Monte Carlo. One during the years is good. I, I like Monte Carlo, but I spend a, a lot of pleasure to drive in Spa, Monza, Silverstone. Formula One is, is not to go to the medium speed low, very high. René, you say you need passion to be aggressive in a good way. Good, good aggressivity. Not, not you were also, I think, phenomenally brave. Sure. Especially during my time, because the car is, was, uh, it was not very strong. It was, uh, I, I remember um, in Goodwood this year, some people it was in the front of my car when I make a war with Villeneuve. And an English guy said, René, you are crazy to go fast with this type of car, with the legs before the wheel, front wheel. And I, my answer was, this car in 79, it was the best car. You know, now it's very strong. You see the, the crash is incredible. It's better for everybody. But I think the, the track now has too much area to go and to, to, to find another way, etc. Who do you think on the modern grid is most like you? I like, uh, I like Norris, I tell you before. Because he's, I, I think only on the TV, I don't know him. Because he's very simple, he's very happy, and the car was very up and down. Huh? Sometimes it's fantastic, sometimes... But he's always happy. And I think his, his, his drive in this condition always at the maximum. I have, we, have, we don't have, uh, except uh, when uh, Schumacher drives with Todd. But uh, the success of, of Schumacher for me is the success of Jean Todd. I don't see uh, all the Grand Prix. Huh? But uh, when I have a possibility to see uh, the interview of Norris, I like, uh, you know, you, you, you don't go, it's not a job, it's a passion. You, you drive an exceptional car, fantastic car. You have a lot of emotion, sensation when you drive this type of car. It's really exciting. You listen everything. You have the hand between the, the floor and the, and the tires when you drive. René, it's been so fantastic to have you on the show. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you to you, Tom. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. What a legend. I loved chatting to René. Everything he said reminded me why I fell in love with Formula One in the early 1980s. He's such an expressive character and it was fantastic to hear his memories of a golden era in Formula One. René, many thanks for your time and for lunch. It was wonderful to chat and I look forward to seeing you again soon. Now, please remember to send in your thoughts and stories on René. Were you at Silverstone in 1983 like me? What did you make of his battle with Villeneuve at Dijon? I'd love to hear from you. Which, of course, brings me on to what you sent in about Lando Norris after last week's episode. There is so much love out there for Lando. Uh, let's start with this from Melam Abed. I'm sure that Lando's first victory will be very soon. 
He doesn't have the best car on the grid, but he's a great driver. And thank God Tom and F1B on the grid are back from vacations every Thursday. I look forward to listening to the podcast. Well, apologies for the brief holiday, Melham. And thanks for your thoughts on Lando. And I agree with you. His first win will come very soon. Next up, it's Sarah Jones. Great episode of Beyond the Grid with my driver, Lando Norris. Really enjoyed hearing Lando talk about improving himself in order to develop and also to win. And it's only a matter of time before he does that. And it'll be all the sweeter when it happens. Thanks, Sarah. And that's exactly the point Lando made in the podcast. Having put all of the hard yards in, that first win will taste very sweet indeed. Last, let's hear a few words from Kazu Okuda. Great to hear Lando Norris again. He's grown so much since his episode in 2020, and I really respect his realistic expectations and timelines for McLaren. He never criticizes nor blames others, but is still very honest. I can see why everybody gravitates towards him. Well, so can I, Kazu, and thanks for the note. Lando has an infectious energy about him. He's a brilliant person, quite apart from his ability in a racing car. We'll leave it there, but thank you to everyone who wrote in. I really love hearing from you. Now, what are you listening to next? If you'd like to hear more from René, he features in our special episode about his great friend Gilles Villeneuve. There's a link to that episode in the description. Or check out my chat with René's favourite, Lando Norris. And while you're on your podcast app, please leave us a rating or a review and hit the follow button for the fastest way to get our new episodes every Wednesday. Thanks for listening. F1 Beyond the Grid is produced by F1 and Audio Boom Studios. Until next time, keep it flat out.